0: May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGown. Good morning, and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I am so glad that you're here today. And Yeah, I know, I say that every week, but I truly, I am so glad that you're here today. I really am, because God's got something great in store for us. And today we're continuing our message series, Sayings of the Wise. Um, it's a study of the top 30 sayings in a special section of the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs was written primarily by a guy named King Solomon. If you don't know his story, God gave Solomon supernatural wisdom to the point where God says that Solomon was the wisest man who ever had lived and he's the wisest man who ever will live. So, If we want to adopt some godly wisdom, then we need to read the things that Solomon wrote, especially these top 30 sayings. Because in the entire book of Proverbs, there's this special section called the sayings of the wise. And that's what we're looking at during this series. I remember a few years ago uh, when my son Ben was only two years old. I was holding him, and every night I would tell him a bedtime story, you know, something I would just make up. So I was just making up this bedtime story, and I was telling him the story, and uh, then in the door walked my daughter, Libby, and then shortly afterwards, Amy walked in, and, and so I started to include them in the story, and just kind of, you know, because it's polite when other people walk in. So I'm including them in the story, and you know, another minute or so passes by, and then I feel these two little hands on my face. And Ben grabbed my face with his little hands and he turned my face so I was only looking at him. (laughs) Like he wanted my full attention. He didn't want to share. He wanted me looking at him. And you know, I think that there's times in life when we get our focus off of God And on to other things. And some of these other things in life, they might be good. They don't even necessarily have to be bad. But when we get our focus and our attention off of God, I think there's times when God wants to grab us by the face and turn our attention back to Him. Because when we get our attention and our focus off of God, God gets out of focus for us. We can feel distant from God. We can have a harder time hearing Him and how He wants to guide us through life. And here's the thing, these sayings of the wise that we're going to look at today, they outline all of that as well as a solution to get back. See, each of these three passages we're going to look at today, they highlight something in life that has the ability to capture our attention and get our focus off of God. See, and God knows that we are especially susceptible to the three things that we're gonna talk about today that can get our attention and our focus off of God. God knows that these three distractions are so effective at capturing our attention that he goes out of his way to give us specific warnings and specific instructions for how we are to refocus on him. And it's as if our Heavenly Father wants to use these sayings of the wise to to grab us by the face and to turn our attention back to him alone. And if we choose to follow his instructions, and if we choose to refocus our attention, here's the thing. We can start a relationship with God that we thought was previously only reserved for the spiritually elite. We can have a relationship with God where we can really begin to hear his voice to guide us in important decisions in life. We'll be able to feel his presence. We'll be able to feel his encouragement to us. And we will be able to be used by God to be an encouragement to other people so that they in turn can also grow closer to him. But here's the thing, that's only gonna happen if we allow these three sayings of the wise to refocus our attention on God. So let's dive right in. So pull your message notes if you haven't done so and let's ask this question. How does God want me to refocus my attention back on him? How does God want to refocus my attention back on Him? Well, this is saying number 13 of the 30 sayings. And saying number 13 essentially says, I need to desire what I have, not what others have. I need to desire what I have, not what others have. Here's the saying. Follow along with me as I read it. It says, do not let your heart envy sinners. I want you to circle the word envy. We're going to come back to it. But, and I want you to underline the rest of this phrase, always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 23, 17, and 18. Okay, now look, here's the thing. Envy is a big issue. Envy is a big deal because I'm telling you, envy can get your focus off of God and onto something else in a hurry. And when it comes to envy, we envy two things. We either envy the stuff others have or the life others have. We always envy one of those two things. For instance, let's just say that you show up at your work and then in the parking lot right beside you Pulls up another co-worker on the same employment level as you, and he's driving a brand new Corvette Stingray. Oh, it's nice. And you are sitting there in your car, and you, you look out the window of your very used minivan, and you have envy. There's envy going on and, and and look the reason that you're driving this this minivan that you just washed okay last christmas the reason you're driving this car is because You are trying to become more obedient and live a life that God wants you to live because you're wanting to make sure that you have enough financial margin in your life so that you can give to God like he commands you to give and that you can give to God whenever he brings up a special need that, you know, he prompts your heart to give. And more than that, you're also trying to live your life the way that God wants you to live, debt-free. But yet, as you look at that other car, like, you know that if you just kept it all for yourself and were willing to go into debt just a little bit, like, you could be driving that. And so, we envy the stuff other people have. Now, sometimes we also envy the life other people have. Now, let me give you an illustration. This one might sting a little bit. Let's just say that you are the spouse that remained faithful, but because your spouse did not, that resulted in a divorce, and now your spouse is remarried and posting happy things on social media and it seems like everything is going really, really well and you're left holding a bag of hurt and loneliness. And that hardly seems fair. I mean, you're the one that did things right. So why do they get to have that kind of a life? And so not only are you a little bit envious, but you're also a little bit mad at God about it. Because there's times when we envy someone else's life. Look, here's the thing. Whenever you compare your life to someone else's life, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. Because you're essentially comparing their blessings with your difficulties. Okay? You're taking their highlight reel and comparing it to your behind-the-scenes junk. And that always leads to disappointment, and that disappointment quickly turns to envy. But here's the thing. You really don't know what's going on behind the scenes in that other person's life. You don't really know what's keeping them awake at night. You really don't know the private pain that they really have. And here's the thing. If you did know, you wouldn't want to trade places with them, ever. And when you envy someone else's stuff or you envy someone else's life, essentially what you're saying to God is you're saying to God, the path that you have me on, I don't believe it. That that's really the best path because I think the best path is that path over there that they're on. And so I want to be on that path, God. That's essentially what you and I are saying when we envy. But what you don't understand is that God has you on the path that you're on for a reason. And yeah, there might be some things that have happened to you on your path that have nothing to do with God. They have everything to do with the simple choices of other people. But here's the thing. God is big enough that he can overcome that. God is big enough to overcome that. And God has uniquely equipped you to walk the path that you are on. And he has blessings for you that are just for you, on your path. So look, when good things happen to other people, you don't have to be like the spoiled child that says, oh, but God, I want what you gave them. So how come you're not going to give that to me? You don't have to be like that. Because remember, you don't know the private pain that that person is going through and that that might be the best thing that's happened to them in a year. And so why would you not just be so happy for that person? And so we need to learn to be happy for the blessings that happen for other people. And we need to be willing to say, okay, God, whenever you're ready to bless me, that's fine. But I am content to walk the path that you have for me. Because my focus is, is on you. See, God wants to take our face and he wants to turn our focus back to him off of focusing on what somebody else has on their path and he wants us to focus on him. And when we focus on him, then we become thankful for what we have and we begin to desire what we have and not what somebody else has. See, that is how wise people handle envy. Envy. They can be happy for the blessings of other people because they're not focused on what those other people have what they don't have. They're focused on God and what he has and who he is. Does that make sense? Okay. Here's the next saying. It's a saying number 14. Saying number 14 is this. Don't let excess steer me from following God. Don't let excess steer me from following God. This is found in proverbs. Chapter 23. It says this. It says, "Listen, my son." and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. I want you to underline, set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much. Would you circle drink too much? Do not uh, join those who drink too much wine, or gorge themselves. I want you to circle gorge themselves, or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness closed, though, closed them in rags. Proverbs 23, 19 through 21. All right, now at first pass, it seems that this saying of the wise is merely talking about being drunk and a glutton. But it's not. This passage really is talking about excess. Solomon just uses wine and meat as an example, you know, because excessive drink and excessive food, excessive whatever has the potential to take my eyes off of God, to steer me from following him. How? Because whatever you do in excess, it tends to occupy all of your thoughts. It dominates your conversation. It takes up all of your time so whatever you do in excess steers you away from God because that is what captures your attention and your focus. So And look, whether that's excessive drinking or excessive eating, like the examples that are used here, or excessive working, excessive sports, excessive traveling, excessive TV, or excessive video games, or excessive time on social media, or excessive whatever, Okay? The things you do in excess can steer you away from following God because they dominate your thoughts, your conversations, and your time. So, what's God say to do? He said, It's that part I had you underline. He says, Set your heart on the right path. But Solomon doesn't tell us what the right path is. So, we've got to figure it out from the context. So, From the context here, we realize that the wrong path is a path that indulges on excess to the point where we have no time or energy left over for the things that matter. And for instance, in this passage, the person spends all their money on booze and high dollar food so that they have no money left over even to buy clothes. Now that seems backward, doesn't it? I mean, this person, they ought to stop buying you know, liquor and high-dollar food and get themselves out of poverty and buy some clothes that aren't just rags. But instead, they're spending all of their resources on things that don't matter. Now, if we can take that sort of principle and that sort of thought and expand it out to just things that are X in excess then we understand that God doesn't want you to use all of your resources on things that really don't matter that much in life and have no eternal payoff. For instance, God doesn't want you to spend every dime you have on things that are going to rust to the point where you cannot give to God or you cannot give to the needs that God brings in front of you. I'm not saying it's, not, it, it's wrong to have stuff or to have money, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you, when you have so committed all of your resources to where you cannot give to God or cannot give to things that God wants you to give to, things have gotten backwards. Or you get to the point where you've committed to so many things that you don't have the time to volunteer at church. Or you don't have the time um, to routinely come to church because these, you've committed to things that routinely take you and your family out of church. God doesn't want you to do those types of things because he wants you to do the things that invest in eternity. God wants you to be the kind of person that can strike up conversations and invite people to come to church and to be a part of church and share what's going on in your life that God is doing in hopes that maybe that person would become a Christ follower and start a relationship with God as well. You see, God wants you to not let the excess steer you away from focusing on Him. But here's the thing, if I allow myself to be distracted by excess excess involvement in this or, or excess of working on that or excess accumulation of these or excess of commitments to those then here's the thing my focus quickly falls away from God and falls on to other things that don't really matter in eternity. And, and God wants to take you by the face and he wants to say hey Don't focus on those things. Focus on me. And if you focus on me, then all these excesses won't steer you away and you won't lose your focus. Does that make sense? Okay. One more for today. Saying number 17. Saying number 17 essentially says this. I need to give my heart to God, not to sexual temptation. I need to give my heart to God, not to sexual temptation. Here's what the Bible says. Follow along as I read it. He says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. I want you to underline that. Give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep, I want you to circle deep pit. And a wayward wife is a narrow well. I want you to circle narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. Proverbs 23, 26 through 28. Now this passage talks about an adulterous woman. An adulterous woman is someone who is not married. And then it talks about a wayward wife. That's someone who is married. So the meaning is is that whether you are married or not, there is a strong warning against sexual activity with anyone that you are not married to. And although Solomon is writing this passage to his son, the truth is it applies to all of us regardless of gender, right? Now, in the two things that I had you circle, Solomon says that sexual temptation is a deep pit. Okay, so when you fall into sexual temptation, it's like falling into a deep pit. You cannot get out of it always on your own. I think about, I think about pornography. I'm telling you, an addiction to, to pornography is something that very rarely can you ever get out on your own. I mean, you just can't. It's too powerful. You need other people to help you. You need someone that's holding you accountable. You need um, some other people in your life to support you, to help you get out and to stay out. Because I'm telling you, sexual temptation is a deep pit. The Bible also says, the second part I had you circle, is that it's a narrow well. A narrow well um, doesn't really hold that much water and you can't even get a full-size bucket down into it to get a full-size amount of water out. And the, the meaning there is that sexual temptation never delivers as much as it promises. It, ne- like a narrow well, it never delivers as much as it promises. I mean, I think about affairs. Affairs never deliver as much as they promise. Oh, you know, people think that, you know, in an affair that... It's an opportunity to you know, add some excitement or to rekindle love or to you know, give love another chance to happen. But I'm telling you, those affairs never deliver what they initially promise. Never happens. There's way too much pain and damage that comes as a result. And here's the thing Solomon would know. Because remember, Solomon is the son of David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba is the woman that King David had an adulterous affair with, and then King David tried to cover up that affair by telling the commanders of the army during a battle to pull back, leaving the front lines exposed where Bathsheba's husband was fighting so that he would be killed, and he was. And although David still married Bathsheba, I wonder if Solomon did not. I wonder if Solomon was keenly aware of the amount of regret his dad had at the affair. I wonder if Solomon was uniquely aware of the hidden pain that his mom carried her whole life because of that affair. Because here's the thing, Solomon writes entire chapters about how to avoid adultery in the book of Proverbs. It's the only subject matter that he addresses with that much thoroughness. Because Solomon was uniquely aware of how much destruction it brings And here's the thing, our culture is incredibly aggressive at pushing the boundaries of sexual temptation. So as Christ followers, we have to be equally aggressive to push those boundaries back. To protect ourselves, to protect our families, to protect our marriages, to protect our kids, to protect our grandkids. We have to be equally aggressive at pushing those boundaries back. So what can you do? Well, first off, you've got to do something to protect your computers, as well as all of your mobile devices, whether it's an iPad, an iPhone, or an iPod. By the way, did you know that an iPod can access the internet? I mean, if you weren't aware of that, if you just thought it was a music device, you were kidding yourself. By the way, Focus on the Family just came out with some new research. Their new research shows that the, do you know what the average age of a child's First, view, first view of pornography is. It's now age eight. Age eight. And so, if you hand a child uh, an, uh, you know, a, 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 any device that can access the internet, if you hand your ch- your eight-year-old an uh, an iPod. I'm telling you, if it doesn't have protection on it, they are going to see things that they ought not see. I mean, you're kidding yourself. If you can handle hand your 12-year-old a phone and say, "This has full access to the internet, but be careful, good luck." You are kidding yourself. If you think that they are not going to at some time, at some point in time view pornography, even if it's by accident, you have to do something to aggressively push those boundaries back. Now, let me tell you what I've done. And by the way, I got this from another dad in our church. Um, I spent like $2.99, I mean, like $2.99, and I bought an app called MobiSip. It's an app that you can put on any mobile device. So we put it on all of our you know, iPods, iPhones, and iPads. We've done it. we put on everything. And uh, I, as a parent, we, like, we get to set the levels. Now, the truth is, it's a pain in the rear sometimes, I'll be honest. But you know what? It's a whole lot less pain than one of our kids viewing things that they ought not be exposed to at their innocent young age. It's a whole lot less pain than one of our kids developing an addiction that is so hard to deal with. We put things on our computers, too. I mean, like, I use McAfee's Total Internet Protection. There's tons of stuff out there, but you need to do something because you've got to aggressively push those boundaries back. And YouTube's not much better. And by the way, you need to take, uh, there's, a, there's a, uh, an app called YouTube Kids. So you could take the other one off of the phone or hide it, and then you put YouTube Kids on there, and it protects them from that kind of stuff as well. You now, bottom line, you've got to aggressively do something because I'm telling you, our culture is aggressively pushing the boundaries. Of sexual temptation. And so you've got to push back, and those sexual boundaries can, or sexual temptations can quickly get someone's focus off of God and onto something else. And that something else has the potential to ruin every loving relationship that you have and taint every future loving relationship that they could have. So do whatever you got to do to guard against sexual temptation. Because I'm telling you, this is the one thing that can derail you and your kids and your grandkids in a spiritual way faster than almost anything else. Now look, let me say this. If there is sexual sin in your past, whether it's an affair or whether it's an addiction to pornography or something in the middle, let me just say this. In Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness. And there's strength to move forward. And so if you're already a Christ follower, that is if you've already received Christ's forgiveness because, and you you're committed your life to following him, that means you already have his forgiveness. For everything that you've ever done, you already have it. Now, I know there's times you don't feel like you have forgiveness, Okay. But what that feeling is, that feeling is really conviction from God for you to change. And he's wanting to do something new in you. But you already have his forgiveness. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, that is, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and pledge your life to following him, or maybe you're not even sure if you're a Christ follower, I'm telling you, you have to start there. Because God wants to forgive you because of his son Jesus Christ. But you have to accept that forgiveness. But it's yours. And he will give you the strength to overcome what's in your past. If you've never become a Christ follower, or you're not sure if you've become one, and you want to, there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that in just a few moments when we get to the end. But before we get to the end, there's one more thing I want you to see. Look at... Turn your paper back over. Look at the front. Look at the, look at the parts that I had you underline. It says this. It says, always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. In the second set of verses, it says, set your heart on the right path. On the third set, it says, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my way. See, all of these are a call to re. Focus on God. Okay, that's the common tie that binds these three sayings of the wise together. See, the way wise people handle life, especially the way they handle envy and excess and sexual temptation, is that they focus on God. See, and God gives you these sayings of the wise because he loves you. And he wants to protect you and your family against the pitfalls of these things three areas that so easily drag us away and take our focus and attention off of him. But more than that, God also wants to take you and he wants to refocus your attention on him because he has some things in store for your life that he doesn't want you to miss. He wants you to have a relationship with God with him, where you see him more clearly than you ever thought possible. But that only happens if you and I take these sayings of the wise seriously and do something about it. So, I want you to find your connection card and let's all make some commitments to do that very thing. For instance, maybe for you it's this first one. God, I'm asking you to help me focus on following you above all things. Would that be you? Number two, God, I'm asking you to change my heart, to not be envious of others, but to be more committed to you. Would you make that commitment? Number three, God, I'm asking you to not let me be consumed by excess, but by a commitment to follow you. Number four, God, help me to take some specific steps to protect myself and my family from sexual temptation. And for you, maybe that's the MobiSip app or the YouTube Kids app or maybe internet protection. Whatever you need to do, do it. Number five, God, I'm asking you to bring healing to my heart and life for past mistakes in the area of sexual temptation. Or number six, God, I'm asking you to forgive me as I commit to follow Jesus for the first time in my life. So if you've never become a Christ follower, or you're not sure if you have, and you'd be willing to pray that prayer for the first time today, I want you to check this box, because I want to mail you some stuff that will help you get started. But if you're ready to pray that prayer, I'm going to give you a chance to do it. Before we do that, number seven, sign me up for the on-campus small group experience. Look, if you haven't signed up, that's fine. Check this box, and we will already give you an RSVP email so you can RSVP for these small groups. But look, you're not going to get one for the small group for tonight, but you can for the next, for the other two. But for tonight, just show up. Just come to this place tonight. It's going to be outstanding. And if you're already in a small group and you already know where you're going, that's fine. Go there. But if you're not in a small group or you don't know what to do, come here, 5.30 tonight. 5.30 it's going to be great. Let me pray. Let me give you a chance to pray first. Take take a few moments to pray. Ask God to help you with these commitments, and then I'll close us out. Let's pray right now silently together. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us, that you give us the sayings of the wise to not just steer us away from temptation, but to steer us towards you. And I thank you that you want to have that relationship with us more than anything else. So help us, Heavenly Father, to focus on you above all things. And I also ask that you bring us back next week so that we can hear more of what you want to say to us. I ask you to do it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.